Welcome to another edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. Thank you guys for tuning in to another music edition of the podcast. I've been really, really enjoying doing these music editions for the shows. It's been very, I don't know, I guess all the creative juices flowing. Really, really steering away from all the all the negativity that's going on in the world today. All the social media nonsense that has transpired in the last, um, you know, since March, basically. So I figured, you know what, let's change gears a little bit and talk about what I like to talk about, which is music. So I would like to continue in the vein of doing these rock concert reviews, and uh, I forget the actual title of it because I don't have it pulled up right now. But today will be a rather special edition for the show given the fact that it's already a music edition it's a special edition for that edition uh, an edition within an edition that sounds kind of weird anywho at the time that i'm recording this it is friday july the 24th 2020 the reason why I wanted to record this special edition of the show was to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the album Back in Black by ACDC. This whole week I've been on a I've been on a Back in Black kick. This past Monday I actually yeah, in the last within the last week uh, I was listening to Joey Diaz podcast he had on a comedian Dean Delray, and they broke down. They pretty much broke. It wasn't like a track by track. It was almost like a track by track review slash uh, album review slash concert review, if you could say, because they they were both teenagers around that time the album came out, and just offering their insights and stories of how it became to be. And I believe Joe Diaz was on the bonus edition of Dean Delray's podcast on Patreon, and he talks about it then and there. Uh, And something like this, I've always, and of course I'm going to have future editions of the show where I'm going to commemorate albums like Back in Black. Uh, Necessarily maybe like around the 30, 40 year mark, it might be the 20 year mark, but Albums like these, it's just, these albums are just, there's a lot of history behind an album like this. Personally, a lot of history. I think at the time that I'm recording this in about an hour, they're going to do a Gibson TV, I think is doing a celebration, like a virtual celebration of Back in Black, where they're having all these different types of guests uh, Sebastian Bach and Allison Chains among all these other celebrities but who would have thought that 40 years later I'd be sitting here commemorating an album like Back in Black this is an album and if I was a betting man I'm willing to bet that most of the people I know have listened to at least one song on this album if not probably own the album I've actually had to repurchase the CD in the last year or two, I think. 
But if we really want to get want to get deep into it, man, I started listening to this was actually my first introduction to ACDC. So I started listening to Back in Black. Man, is this had to be I was just a kid. Remember guys, I know some of you might be a lot older than me. I'm not throwing any shade out there. I'm really just stating the facts, but I was a I was growing for me growing up was in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. So I came by the time that I came to know this type of music, I was already maybe less than 10 years old. I was already in elementary. I can remember as far back as maybe the fourth grade listening to this album. And in fourth grade, I had this had to be maybe. Oh, I had to be it had to be around nine, ten years old. So I had to be around 2000, maybe 2001. This this music was always it was household, if you could call it. I remember on my first trip to Mexico, this was one of the few CDs along with Van Halen's first album that I listened to just constantly back to back. And this this album to me, it just, I don't know, it's it just does something for me. It's very, there's a lot of emotion going into this album. For those of you that probably don't know, ACDC first started with lead singer Bon Scott. Of course, you might know, if you don't know who Bon Scott is, you go back to songs like Highway to Hell and um, Let There Be Rock and Whole Lot of Rosie. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think Highway to Hell... No, because I think I got both of those at the same time. I was introduced to Back in Black first and then Highway to Hell. I remember my dad having a cop, a borrowed copy from a friend of his who also listened to rock. But for the longest time, my dad would tell me stories about Back in Black and ACDC because he, he had it on CD for the longest time. Hence the reason why I had to repurchase a new copy. I think this one's a remastered version of the album. His was all just scratched up and worn out from constant use. So back to Bon Scott. You know, Bon Scott unfortunately died from alcohol poisoning after going on a huge drinking binge in, man, I want to say it was February of 1980. And they, they they had been on a on a roll. They were on the way to superstardom with Bon Scott. The music with Bon Scott was more. It was more raw. It was more punk. When you listen to him sing, you could actually, you could actually, he was actually selling you on the fact that he was a criminal. When you would hear him sing, it's like okay, he's singing about all this stuff, but it's all true. You, you go back and listen to Highway to Hell. I mean, geez, that album is... It's right up there with Back in Black. Two different singers. Two different... Almost two different bands. Walk All Over You. Girls Got Rhythm. Touch Too Much. 
shot down in flames? Night Prowler? Come on. Unfortunately, Bon Scott dies and the band's left without a singer. Most bands would probably quit. Most bands would probably disband and find something else to do. It's the very few that actually find a new singer and they just explode into superstardom. It's very rare. Very rare do you see that, especially nowadays. You know, I think in other circumstances and other scenarios, you might have Black Sabbath when Ronnie James Dio came in. You have Heaven and Hell or even when Sammy Hagar came into Van Halen with 5150. Very rare instances that you find this where a band gets a lot bigger than what they used to be. Bruce Dickinson and Iron Maiden with the number of the beast. You have other scenarios where new singer comes in. Doesn't do much for the band. Bands like Skid Row or Queensryche end up becoming almost clones of the band. Nonetheless, the band was at a at a crossroads at this point. They ended up recruiting Brian Johnson, who was who was previously singing for this band called Jordy. I think this band was from England. Yeah, it was a British glam rock band that he was singing in. Much like Highway to Hell, Back in Black was recorded with producer Mutt Lang, who is also known, of course, for Highway to Hell, the Def Leppard albums High and Dry, and Pyromania. And they... It's just very ominous every time I see it, every time I listen to it, because I know that it's a tribute to Bon Scott, you know, back in black. You're back in black. It's almost designed to be a, like a sign of mourning for Bon Scott. And this album just shot into, it just catapulted them into success. To date, I think it's sold almost 50 million copies worldwide. I want to say it's at number three of the best-selling albums in music history. It used to be at number four, but I think it sits at number three right now. It's up there with Thriller and I forget what other albums are up there. Anyways, the, uh, the Wall's up there too, Pink Floyd. They did a year-long world tour back in 1980 when this album came out. My dad tells me stories all the time of him coming to to Houston on on his summer vacations. Uh, it just so happens that in the summer of 1980, he heard because most most of the music that he was listening to and most of the albums that he bought, he would buy them here in the U.S. and take them back to Mexico when it was when it was time to go back. And that's how people in the neighborhood were were just waiting for him to to see what he was bringing from over here. Every time it was a new album, whether it was Back in Black or Judas Priest, anything. It's so it's so cool to have grown up in a in a generation like that, in in an era like that where in an instance you have like my dad the ability to be able to travel for summer vacation and just be inundated with 
with this all this good music that was going on at the time. And so he would this is a time where radio airplay was it was still a thing. And he heard all these songs on the radio and would ask his cousins like, "Hey, who's that?" Oh, that's ACDC. Oh, take me to go buy the album. I like this stuff. Buy it, take it back. I just wish he kept that original copy of Back in Black. That thing must be worth, oof, I don't know. For an original pressing, I haven't really checked. So this really just catapulted them into superstardom and became what they are today. And just the opening track for Hell's Bells, when you hear that that ominous bell tolling at the beginning with the with the opening lines, the opening lines of I'm powering thunder, uh, no, rolling thunder, powering rain. Those those of you might not know, they were in the Bahamas recording this album. At at the time of this recording, they were, I think it was several tropical storms, if not probably a hurricane that was coming through when they were recording this. It really just sets the tone for the whole album, if you can believe that. Where they just completely isolate themselves into recording. And, you know, to tell you the truth, they probably didn't even expect it to be this successful. For all For all they knew, they were just recording another album with music and just see what came with it and oddly enough Brian Johnson the way that he sung on that album he went balls out because he thought according to his knowledge that he wasn't going to be the singer in the band for for the longest he probably just going to last maybe at least six months to a year for a tour come to find out he became the staple in ACDC. <laughs> I will do my Brian Johnson impression, but I don't think it, it'll probably go over so well on this podcast. Hell's Bells, Shoot the Thrill, What Do You Do For Money, Honey, Giving the Dog a Bone, Let Me Put My Love Into You, Back in Black, You Shook Me All Night Long, Have a Drink On Me, Shake a Leg, and rock and roll ain't noise pollution. I I challenge you to find me one filler song on this album. Because there's none. People might say, yeah, you know, it sounds the same. That's ACDC. They're not going to bullshit you with keyboards, uh, female singers, backing tracks, hip-hop, none of that. It's pure rock and roll, and that's what... That's why a band like ACDC has stood the test of time because they're writing about real stuff. They're performing their instruments live. That's that's the spirit of rock and roll. They're not going to bullshit you with lip syncing live or playing to a track. No way. It's as simple as rock can get. You get good at your instrument and you play it. That's why, that's why, and I'll probably get into this on a future episode, probably revisit the, the topic again. That's why a band like ACDC, and I did get the chance to go see them live a few years ago. 
with my dad. And I'm telling you, we, we saw these guys at the Toyota Center. This thing was packed to the gills. Everybody was there to see them. I can't remember who the opening act was. Probably not important. But for my dad to be sitting there watching one of his favorite bands perform, it's just a different feeling. You know, because my dad, he, you know, like us, we came from nothing. He never in a million years, and he tells me this every time, I never would have thought I would have seen these guys live. It, it it just, it never crossed his mind. You know, back then when he was coming on summer vacations, every time he would come, it was either, it, it mostly was bad timing. Be, well, bad timing and I guess the schedule, the way the tours were set up. Most times these, either they had already passed through here or they hadn't performed in Houston yet like these bands that I'm talking about so he never got to see any of these guys live other than with the exception of Phil Collins at the summit and Stevie Ray Vaughan I believe it was at the Coliseum but these these were both like in 89 1990 1990 to be exact but he just never had the opportunity to see them. Not only that, he didn't have any money. And then the nineties came around, and of course, myself and my brother were born. He he didn't have money to to go to a show. He had a family to raise. I respect that. Hence, why in return, nowadays when we finally, when I finally had the opportunity, and w- was able to afford myself to buy tickets to shows every chance that I would get for any of these bands that he liked I said you know what dad I'm buying tickets we're gonna go see them if I could I'd buy the best seats I could if not I'd just buy tickets but the fact that we were there that we're there when we're there my dad's happy pounds back a couple Budweiser's and hey he's listening to his favorite music live what more can you ask for and if I do have enough money, I'll, I'll buy him a T-shirt, or he'll buy one if he wants. You know that kind that phase of his life kind of <laughs> kind of went away. But recently, he started wearing the T-shirts again. It's pretty cool. I kind of phased that out myself for a little while. I'm kind of in that age right now where <laughs> it's put away right now. Maybe when I have kids someday, I'll bust out the box and be like, "Oh, look at this tour, and look at that tour." Uh, Anywho, I mean, this album is 40 years, 40 years. It really, it's really eye-opening to see the personnel in an album like this, as opposed to when you compare it with a, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm not putting anybody down, but say, for example, a pop artist like, um, Demi Lovato, for example. I mean, I love Demi Lovato. She's she's probably one of the few crushes that I have. But when I'm looking at these albums, say like a pop, and I emphasize the word pop artist because that's what they are. And that's the goal, to be on the radio. You look at 
artists like Demi Lovato, Taylor Swift. Um, I'm trying to think off just the top of my head. But you look at the personnel of all these albums. This may be about a two, three sections of it long. I ask myself, why, why does there have to be so many people working on something like that? And my brother answered that question the other day. He's like, well, because that's the that's the end goal for that artist is to sell albums, to sell units, quantity over quality. Because by that point, all these songs have been have been regurgitated to the point where it's like, okay, you can tell this has been manufactured. And I've always been against stuff like that. I'm not I'm not hating on pop in general or any of these country pop artists that are out nowadays but it really really i guess it's just me i don't know but it really makes me think about stuff because if you break it down look acdc for back in black it was just the band themselves you have brian johnson on lead vocals angus young on lead guitar Malcolm Young on rhythm guitar and backing vocals. Cliff Williams, bass guitar, backing vocals. And Phil Rudd on drums. Production-wise, Mutt Lang you have as the producer. You have maybe three, three assistant engineers, a mixer, and the guy that, ma- Bob Ludwig, the guy that masters the, the albums. That's it. If you're looking at all these other artists, it's almost like, okay, why do you have so many some so much personnel for just one track and then you go track by track before you know it you have like 100 200 people working on the whole album it doesn't make sense now i might might be just completely out of the loop here but i do my research and i don't want to go out on a limb and say that it's not good i'm sure some of that stuff is good because it has a fan base, but as far as standing the test of time and it being a classic, maybe it's just because another it's another realm that it's in. I mean, Demi Lovato, props to her. She has been through so much, and we're, I think she's about, well, she's a year younger than I am, so she's done a lot more than I have in our lifetimes. Props to her. I'm certainly in the wrong business. Um, see, like if I'm going through, and this is supposed to be a commemoration of Back in Black. I'm just going off on a tangent here. It's my podcast. Talk about whatever I want. Uh, yeah, of course you have elements of R&B, uh, and then different studios too. Studio time is no joke. It's very expensive. Uh... Critical reception. I mean, the critics are the critics. So, and again, no, I haven't listened to any of her songs. Um, I couldn't be able to tell you a song of hers if I listened to it on the radio or on internet. But look, her last album has a bunch of production for and then co-production. It's like, how many more people do you need? How many more mixes do you need of one song? Maybe I'm just going too deep into it. I'm thinking about it way too much. 
And I'm very I'm being very critical at this point. But I think I think you understand if you're listening, you and if you're a music fan, you understand what I'm getting to when you put these side by side. Again, these guys never in a million years thought they were going to make a monumental album because if there was one word to describe this album, it's monumental. For once, these guys these guys never thought that they would get the success. Hell, their singer just died. What the hell? How is this guy going to help us? Sure enough, bam. Again, I think I'm just being really critical, but really if you really think about it just really think about it this was at a time where there's no auto-tune in these songs there's no nothing is digital and during this time everything's on tape so if you're recording on tape you really have to have your stuff dialed in again i go back to studios being expensive you got to pay for tape I'm sure these guys didn't have a lot of money to be paying for a lot of studio time and a lot of tape to record. So by the time by the time you're going into a recording studio during during this era, you already have the songs, you already know them like the back of your hand. You're going in there, you're going to nail the part and boom, you got it. That's why you spend so much time rehearsing this stuff to be able to get it right. Hell, I'll tell you a short little story. I mean, myself going through these bass lessons right now, I'm still working on, on the same song. And I've been working on learning the bass line for Money by Pink Floyd. I've been catching myself correcting all these mistakes where I'm fumbling through the song sometimes because I'll either miss, mess up on a little part or intricacy here and there. But it all goes back to knowing your craft, knowing your instrument practicing this didn't become an overnight sensation i'm not gonna be a a virtuoso virtuoso bass player overnight this takes practice now of course if you're a prodigy like some rarely enough do you have that talent you incorporate the practice and the lessons into it hell you're number one But it doesn't happen overnight. These guys were, are still known to be the working man's band. Again, it was never any bullshit with these guys. As far as gear goes, all these guys were had were guitars and amps. I don't think they ever even used pedals. Everything was coming from their fingers and the amplifier and the guitar. You would just turn the gain up and boom, there you go. Marshalls, Gibson SGs. Scratch guitar that Malcolm Young had, drums, bass, and the songs are very simple too. I've had the chance to play some of these songs on, on drums, mostly songs on drums, try to learn them on guitar and bass, and they're as simple as they can get, but there's a certain, there's a certain groove to them. There's a certain uh, pocket to them. It's easy to play black and back on drums. Can you play it along with, with people? You can play it along to the song, but can you play it with people? I've been fortunate enough to play with my brother. And, you know, it's uh, Phil Rudd is no joke on the drums. 
again, not trying to get a little too critical, but I'm just pointing out facts here. I know in the past I've maybe come across as a bit biased, but hey, who isn't? You know, I, I go out of my way and check out some of this other stuff that's going on. No, I don't I, I don't have any time to hate other genres. I just don't like them. I don't listen to them. It just doesn't I'm not attracted to it. Again, it has its own fan base, of course, country, R and B, pop, uh what else? Spanish music. It's all it's either good or bad. I tend to have a problem when it starts being when it's not real. When you start adding in auto tune and drum machines and at that point you're just not you're hiding behind what little talent you say you might have. So, I mean, a quick a quick overview retrospective for this album i know a a few tangents were probably in the mix somewhere here and there but i just want to kind of put this out since it is the 40th anniversary of back in black and again an album that i probably listened to man i i never get tired of an album like that it just it does something to you and having been able to see these guys perform live it's just next level so Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, hey, if you haven't listened to the album, go and check it out. It's on Apple Music, Spotify, um, YouTube. Even go buy yourself a copy. I know Cactus has a bunch of copies left over on vinyl and CD, I believe. Or go to Amazon and order them. Fairly cheap nowadays. You won't be disappointed. It's a really good album. And if you're disappointed, go sell it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but hopefully you guys enjoy the episode if you like what you hear or you have heard feel free to subscribe rate and review to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify podcast soundcloud and youtube just search the hangout podcast with juan hernandez and next week i'll come back with these with these rock reviews and try to finish up i do have to go down and i keep telling myself every day to write down the list so i can have ready i didn't even have the list today ready i had to bust out the photo album <laughs> but again if you want to follow me on social media at juan underscore a underscore h on twitter is where i'm most active and again tell your folks friends family whoever to subscribe rate and review the podcast is everywhere try to keep it short and simple quantity they always get this one wrong quality over quantity is my mantra Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next time.